This is the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. Thank you for tuning in to the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. I'm your co-host, Caitlin Deal. And in today's episode, we had the pleasure of talking to two very special guests from Houston, Texas, Danielle Fanfare and Marlon Hall. After the wake of Hurricane Harvey, we reached out to them to see how they were doing, as this episode has been pre-recorded. They're doing great, but there are two ways you can help. Donate to United Methodist Committee on Relief, where 100% of all proceeds will go to domestic disaster response. Marla and Danielle are also raising a Harvey Health Fund to support individual families in Houston, Texas. Go to awakenings.securegive.com, click Give Without an Account, and type in the amount you would like to give next to Harvey Health Fund. And now, here's our podcast with Daniel Fanfare and Marlon Hall of Folklore Films. Welcome to the Uncovered Dish, the Christian Leadership Podcast, and we're your hosts, Caitlin Deal. And James Lee. And today, we have two very special guests coming from Houston, Texas, uh, Daniel Fanfare and Marlon Hall from Folklore Films. Hey, guys. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. All right, thanks for coming on. Could you please just introduce yourselves and uh, tell us what is Folklore Films? Uh, my name is Danielle Fanfare. I am the producer for Folklore Films, and we're a nonprofit film company that tells better stories to humans about humans, one folkloric story at a time. And my name is Marlon Hall, and I'm the director of Folklore Films. And uh, the way that our films move, they move like poetry. Um, they don't move on the traditional arc of a narrative from left to right, like an arc at the top. We like to consider our films to be poems that move from one stanza to the next. So the subjects of the people that we feature, we tap into their heartbeat and allow the film to be moved by who they are and not necessarily by chronology or time. I'm also a filmmaker by trade and uh, my mentor, uh, told me two things that really stuck with me. The first one was that filmmaking is a coming together of all the different art forms. So you have photography, music, uh, yeah. composition, writing, story, like uh, you know, story writing. Yeah. All these art forms coming together uh, is what filmmaking is. And the second thing that my mentor told me was that uh, if Jesus were alive today, he would be a filmmaker. Like, like <laughs> because because like filmmaking is the greatest storytelling medium we have today. So if Jesus came, we're alive, walking in 2017, he'd be making films. You know, I watched a lot of your films. You guys make really interesting uh, stories, just capturing stories of people, right? Yeah. People and their stories, and it's really awesome. But so tell us, how did uh, Folklore Films get started? What's the, what, what got you guys going and saying this is something we need to do? Man, we're a part of a, a nonprofit organization that is a human development corporation. And we believe that the most important thing about our existence is human flourishing. And so we live that out by doing anthropological studies in our city. And we do anthropological studies to discern how to put our finger on the pulse of what project to do next. Mm. So we've mm. done restaurants before, we've done art galleries before, um, we've become a musical conservatory. We allow our understanding of the city's needs to determine our understanding of our project orientation. So we did an anthropological study about Houston 
and recognize that Houstonians tell the worst stories to themselves about their city. Wow. And so we set out to tell better stories to the city, about the city, one folkloric person at a time. Our goal was to really start this viral advocacy for good stories. Um, some may call it the gospel, uh, but we thought that we could create a ripple effect of good rumors about how great the city is, one story at a time. Where did this idea come from? When did it all start? What gave you this inspiration to do this? It all started from a problem. Uh, the problem was that we recognized that we had friends in the city who were right outside the bubble of their capacity, but did not have that next step to take. They, they had a void in terms of like what to do next. And so we turned the problem of people not realizing their fullest potential into an opportunity. So we moved from irritation hmm. into hmm. an intrigue through anthropological study and from intrigue into innovation. We were um, in the project, in the midst of one project called the Eat Gallery, which was a culinary art gallery dedicated to, we operated a restaurant like an art gallery and we had a culinary art exhibitions. We featured the stories of culinary artists in the city who had the expertise and the training and the skills but not the overhead for their own restaurants. Out of the art gallery featured their restaurants and we invited folks to taste their drinks. During the process of that, we started to document their stories mm -hmm. and the stories of the experts that were coming into the Eat Gallery. And so like many you know, innovations, we were kind of already doing what became folklore films before we called it folklore films. Wow. And so literally in the kitchen of the Eat Gallery, we applied for a grant for the first folklore film series, realizing that we already had all these stories. Marlon has had a camera in his hand since he was 14. And it's his inclination to document these amazing stories. And I just started helping him and became a producer <laughs> on Daniel's the job. A, Daniel's a trained journalist, too. So the two came awesome. together to create mm -hmm. folklore films. Mm -hmm. It was a dance. It was a dance. It's a dance. <laughs> But it was cool because we just started doing what we wanted to do for our friends and it developed into a film company. Sure. So is it just you two making the films or who makes these films? Do you have a team that does it or? Yeah, you know, I shoot and edit the films. Danielle produces the films. We have an associate producer too. Shout out to Shelly. Hey, Shelly. She just moved to New York <laughs> to go to film school. Oh, so she's sucks. she's right right in our uh, backyard right here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New York sucks. We want her back in Houston. We want her back so bad. <laughs> um, and um, our, our our filmmaking process is very intimate. Mm -hmm. uh, the time that we spend with our subjects is not to promote their celebrity, but to connect with their humanity. Wow. So we don't have a lot of people on the set. Okay. We approach it as anthropologists. We do want to kind of explore the process of how one of these films are produced. And um, I was first introduced to your work because Trey Wentz was giving a presentation for our 2016 uh, annual conference here at Grady, New Jersey. And he showed us your visual poem here in Trenton. So can you tell us the story behind, behind that and how that film got made? Um, it was a cleaner place, actually. Um, the family structure was uh, very, very strong. You know, like <clears throat> when I was growing up in Trenton, if the neighbor saw someone else's child doing wrong, they chastised him. As part of town, we played basketball. Like sports was our big thing. The, the pools were open on the regular. 
They were day camps. They had summer jobs. Basically drugs is what changed it. Once the, the, the crack era came to, to this town, it basically just, just took it down. It was a downhill spiral from then. I would improve the educational system. Bring them up to bring them up to speed with everyone else. Man, you know, that film, it's so funny you mentioned that one. Because it was almost but not quite a fluke. Oh yeah. Film was. <laughs> I was going to Princeton uh, to do a, a lecture there okay. about becoming an anthropologist of your context, mm. meaning equipping institutional leaders to think about the, the why and the who's of the community that they're serving before they design some what's mm. and some where's and some wins. So to put your finger on the pulse of the community first before you decide on a project. So I asked the leaders to drop me off in Trenton, New Jersey for me to do my anthropological thing. And of course, like Danielle said, I always keep my camera in my, my hip pocket. <laughs> and I just start asking people questions about Trenton and what they love about Trenton, what they long for in Trenton. So really it is a visual anthropological film that I was just using to make a point. The film was about, I guess, five to seven minutes long. The whole point that I was trying to make was about 10 minutes long. Um, so the goal was to like say, I went to your backyard mm -hmm. to show you how you can ask a series of questions to everyday people and receive some divine wisdom for how to move forward. So that's how that film came to be. It's yeah. just me playing around and training. The guy comes to the Jersey Shore next. <laughs> oh, I love to go to Jersey. Yeah. You'll find a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so give us another example of maybe how filmmaking has resulted in a powerful experience. Early in the folklore films kind of conception phase, Marlon said, what if we take two films of two very different subjects and what if we premiered them together to bring those two audiences into the same room hmm. so that folks could have an opportunity to interact with folks that they share value with, hmm. but maybe would never interact with outside of being kind of uh, invited to the same space. I love that idea. Houston is very diverse with the city, the nation's most diverse city, but still very segmented mm -hmm. in terms of our, our population in uh, the demographics of our city is still very homogenous in certain areas. Mm. And so um, there's one particular screening we had at a yoga studio where we featured Dan Houston, who's a yogi who takes yoga into low-income schools. He takes yoga under the bridge. He takes yoga into um, prisons. prisons and wow. homeless shelters to provide a space for folks who wouldn't be the traditional yogi customer to really wake up through yoga and then Robert Lopez, who's the owner of Kicking Kombucha, a local kombucha, kombucha is a fermented tea that has um, these fermented probiotic bacteria that's really good for your gut, really good for your cell function, really good for cell repair. So we screened some films, dance film and Robert's film at the same time. Robert and Dan decided that they shared values so much that Robert made a kombucha flavor mm -hmm. called Empower, which is the name of Dan's nonprofit organization. And that was Robert and, and Kicking Kombucha's first foray into using their for-profit business to nurture this nonprofit soil in the city. They, they met and saw each other's films and, you know, 
interacting with one another and learn each other's stories. And from that started a new flavor of kombucha that nourished the, the organization that Dan was taking into the city. So that's one of my favorite stories is that literally a new business relationship that became very personal started at a film screening. Exactly. And check this out. So then, while at that screening, a woman who came to see Dan's film was sitting on one side of the studio um, of the screening and Robert Lopez was sitting on the other and they made googly eyes and that night began a relationship that ultimately became a marriage. So Robert met his wife at our screening while his wife was there to support a person that she was connected to, Dan Houston. So it not only produces like working partnerships, but also loving partnerships too. And Marlon got to marry them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if it was that easy. (laughs) Make it sound easy. (laughs) You make it almost sound like these these film screenings are like church, right? (laughs) Hey, you know what's interesting, James? Like, like, I I don't know where you guys are with your faith or with religion, but we intentionally clothe our ministry with experiences that are relevant and resonant to people. So we don't tell people that we are a church. When we're a restaurant, we are a restaurant. Mm. When we're an art gallery, we are an art gallery. Mm. And as a film company, we are a film company. But everybody always comes up after our film screenings, and they always say, this felt, people always say, no offense, because I'm not a Christian, but this feels like church. This was a sacred experience. This was sacred, yeah, so mission accomplished. So you touched base on this a little bit uh, before. So why is it so important um, for you know for you to produce these films and have people experience them and witness them and be a part of them? Because we were all born to be folkloric. Your story in a hundred years is going to have a moral to your story that will empower people's meaning and purpose. And so we got to get to work. Mm-hmm. We have to live meaningfully yeah. and massively and bountifully and beautifully. Clarify for us what do you mean by folkloric? We are meant to be folkloric. So I'm an anthropologist by academic training. Okay. And when we say folklore, we mean the, the values, the practices, the principles, and the rituals of a person or a people that make them them. Mm. All of us have personal practices, rituals, and values that make us us. And those values can contribute to the larger culture to make our culture better. Mm. Mm. So when we say folklore, we mean like your personal culture and how it impacts the larger culture. You know, ultimately, uh, undergirding this filmmaking company, I I hear that you guys are storytellers. You're telling stories of different people. And why is it important for uh, leaders, maybe church leaders or those who are in ministry, to be storytellers? Why is that so important? Okay, so we are in a unique moment in American history where um, a sense that certain prejudices had kind of subsided. We are now present to the fact that those prejudices have just renamed themselves Mm. and are still there. Uh, Prejudice against different races, prejudice against uh, different genders, limitations that people believe gender and race have. So we live in a moment where we need an antidote to some of the hatred and the isolation that's happening as a result of prejudice. There is nothing like story that becomes the package that holds the antidote to fear, Mm. the antidote to shame, Mm. and the antidote to isolation that creates prejudice. Because you know prejudice ain't just prejudice. 
Right, Prejudice right, right. is sourced by fear, it's sourced by isolation, and it's sourced by shame. Nothing heals fear and shame and isolation like sharing your story. Yeah. Like the story itself has the nutrients necessary to grow humanity towards each other, where humanity is being torn apart. So we believe that story can hold um, a way to heal and to make whole some of the ways in which we are divided in our nation. So why film and not any other type of um, storytelling? There's something beautiful and perceptible in a way that is uniquely human about being able to see a person, hear a person's story, see their facial expressions, see accompanying footage that further echoes the truth, see, hear the musical soundtrack that is another sacred echo of the storyline. Um, we also source the soundtrack and the composition mm -hmm. of the music from local musicians. So Folklore yeah. Films has a totally unique and authentic locally driven soundtrack mm. and the the, uh, the musicians listen to the subjects tell their story and they respond musically from their own story. Um, so there's a, a symbiosis of story happening musically. There's a symbiosis happening visually. The city of Houston is the backdrop and another character in our films. And so there's so much you can communicate and so much you can do yeah. uh, through film. And as a producer, uh, which is a term for somebody who runs around and makes sure that all the little things are in place, you know. Right, right. I really enjoy seeing the whole process come together at the end result and folks being able to sit and have a full multi-sensory experience. Mm -hmm. There's text in our films, there's music, there's uh, moving imagery, there's some still sometimes photos that are shown. And so there's this way that all of the senses can be engaged through mm -hmm. film that's so unique to that, mm -hmm. to that medium. Now, you guys will be speaking at a workshop on being a storyteller for our upcoming SENT conference, November 11th. What can someone who registered for your workshop expect to learn? What I love about learning how to become a storyteller is that you learn how to both acknowledge and observe, but also communicate a person's unique individual dignity mm. and value that you cannot assume by looking at them. Wow. And so becoming a storyteller is becoming the most human and the most divine at the same time and learning how to speak to and celebrate the uniquely divine dignity that a person possesses as a, just a creation of God. And that celebration of another person's story begins with owning your own. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to guide people on a process by which they will own their own story and the ownership of their story will allow them to value the world around them. Like many of us don't value other people in other places around us because we don't value ourselves. Mm. And so we're going to create an equal and opposite um, powerhouse of an opportunity mm. for people to grow deep into their story and grow broad into their impact. So, say a pastor is listening to this podcast or watching us and says, you know, I really want to tell stories using filmmaking, uh, the stories of the people in my community. Um, how did they get started? What's, what's some of the first steps that they should take? The first step is ask yourself the question, is your calling to make films? And if it is not, then put a period at the end of filmmaking, start a new paragraph, 
<laughs> and ask yourself, what is the, the natural inclination and the area of abundance from which I can tell stories? Mm. I think we live in a culture right now where we've been taught that because one pathway or method is presently working for a larger number of people, then that pathway or method is for everybody. So everybody wants to be a filmmaker. Or everybody wants to use one kind of mode of storytelling. But you could be a writer and still make a significant That's impact. Right. You could be a listener, meaning a podcaster, and still make a significant impact. So if I were in, if I were a pastor wanting to tell the stories of my community, I would begin with the abundance of my own skill set. Like where am I abundant in my skill set? Am I abundant in terms of my gift of gab? Am I abundant in terms of my capacity to frame ideas, like by taking pictures, like first begin with your abundance. And then if after you begin with your abundance, you recognize that you feel called to filmmaking, mm -hmm. I would begin with my iPhone. Or, and if you have any other kind of phone that is an iPhone, the first thing for you to do pastors is to change your phone situation. Okay? You, got, you got to change that phone situation. You don't have no iPhone. And you want to be a filmmaker. You can't do it with a Samsung. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Oh, here we go, here we go. Do you see what I'm talking about? James Lee loves productivity. That's why he has But basically, begin with what you have. That's right. Start with your cell phone. That's right. And begin to document the stories of the people around you by simply asking them what questions, where questions, when questions, how questions, and why. And I would add to that, you know, one of the things that I have watched happen over and over again is that we rarely have to go looking for stories. The stories are all around us. And so the more we relaxed our agenda for what we thought the city needed, and the more we started to learn more about who was around us, the stories themselves became so clear and compelling. And then, it, as Marlon said, we decided to to, to document them in the ways that we were abundant. So we, so Marlon's already a filmmaker. He's had a film in his, a, a camera in his hand since he was a kid. I'm good at strategizing and you know helping processes, and I'm good at interviewing and asking questions. And so we literally started with where we were. However, you may have in your congregation, you may have artists, you may have visual mm -hmm. artists, you may have more musicians who can tell sonic stories. You may have writers. You may have um, you may have more, you know, logical uh, and process-oriented people who can help you develop a system for, you know, documenting stories through various art forms. What do you have, and whose stories are there that you're burning to learn and tell? You know, it's a good place I think to start as well. I like the room you guys are in. It's like art. I love a door. <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> I love a door. Like, it's sort of the same. What's that? He's asking where the door is from. The door came from my grandmother's home. It led to the restroom. My great grandmother's home in Homa, Louisiana. Swamps of Homa, Louisiana. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, and the artwork that's on the wall is an uh, artist who's from Houston. His name is Anjo Bermatois. Mm. And uh, he's an amazing, gifted artist. If you're out there listening, support artists, be patrons yes. of art. Do you guys have anything else you guys want to shout out or say? No, you look so familiar. Um, have we met before? No, I've never been in Texas. I'll go. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, you've never been to oh, you, Okay, you're not alive yet. Are you guys going to be at the sitcom? <laughs> <laughs> you need to come alive. You need to come alive. Come to you. Also, my work and pay. <laughs> Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Before we end, uh, finish up, we have one last question we ask all of our guests. Okay, so we're the Uncover Dish, and we're Methodists, and we like to eat. So if you can pick one food to have for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, with no variations, what would that one food item be? Gosh, oh, that's hard. There's this garlic kill that this local restaurant makes. It's a vegan restaurant or plant-based restaurant. Uh-huh. And that garlic kale, it will ruin every conversation post. <laughs> <laughs> it will satisfy your your palate. Yeah, you so go. I eat that for the rest of my life. Yeah, some, gar- <laughs> some garlic kale salad. Garlic kale okay. salad. The one dish I would eat for the rest of my life, my mother-in-law taught me how to make Caribbean rice and peas is also called cook-up rice. Oh. And it's so savory and so delicious, and it just feels like home in, in the bowl. And I would eat that breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of my life. Home in a bowl. Hey. That, that wins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, the, uh, that was Daniel Fanfare and Marlon Hall of Folklore Films. If you guys enjoy what you heard today or watched today, um, please uh, register for the SEND conference. It's on November 11th at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in East Brunswick, New Jersey on November 11th. And you can register at gnjumc.org. Um, you can find out more about Daniel and Marlon's work at folklorefilms.org. Uh, is there any other plugins you guys want to do? Come to Houston. It's the future. <laughs> and come to Houston if you want to come alive. You are dead. You've never been to Houston. Yeah. All right. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in November. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye, y'all. All right. Take care. tuning in today's podcast if there are any topics you like us to uncover or any comments for us you can email them to podcast at gnjumc.org we will be posting a new podcast every other wednesday so if you enjoyed what you heard be sure to give us a five-star rating on itunes and subscribe to be up to date on the latest episodes we'll talk to you soon how are we sent into this world how do we connect with new people How do we connect with new communities who aren't even interested in church? What does this mean for me, my ministry, my call? SENT Conference 2017 is a one-day conference taking place on November 11th at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in East Brunswick, New Jersey, that will send you and your team into the world to create meaningful ministry with new people. Join the conversation with storytellers Danielle Fanfare and Marlon Hall of Folklore Films, changemaker Mark DeVries from Ministry Incubators, organizer Christian Kuhn from Urban Village Church, theologian Eric Barreto from Princeton Theological Seminary, and pastor Michelle Matthews from the Kingstown Communion. Register today at www.gnjumc.org. Let's go together.